I have heard that one of the greatest questions you can ask is this question. What if? Think about it. What if? And, and there's a lot of implication there, a lot of potential answers. Like, like what if you did? What if, what if you did ask that girl out? And a lot of movies about that, right? Or that guy. What if you had accepted that job? What if you did keep your New Year's resolution back in 2019? When you were going to go to the gym every day, you were going to do all those sit-ups, all those pull-ups, you would be ripped right now. But look at you now, you bum. Like, you know? Like, what if you did? What if you did? What if? The, or what if you didn't? What if you didn't? What if you didn't stop at that stop sign? That time that other car was coming through the intersection and, whew, but it saved your life. Or what if you didn't, uh, you know, do, take the job that you were going to take or, or go to that place that you were going to go? Like, what do you do? There are so many implications, potentials, and things that could have come out of the question, what if you didn't? What if your parents had never met? You know, and just all of the things that could happen if, what if, what if, what if. Uh, that question has led to so many things, deep philosophical questions and conversations, great movies and books, uh, world-changing nonprofits have been started because someone said, what if, what if we took care of that? And that's the question I want to use to guide our lesson today. What if, what if, what if you did, what if you didn't? Today is special for two reasons. You've already heard a little bit about both of them, but I want to kind of tell you. First of all, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series right now. We're in our At the Movies series, which is one of my favorite teaching series to do every year. Uh, we have different themes from year to year, but this is the first time we've done Christmas at the movies. And so, uh, you know, At the Movies is a great way to use like a very common thing, popular movies, as a springboard to dive into God's word. Uh, Jesus used stories all the time to make the points more memorable and help the stories to be easier to tell. And what better than to use something that's already in your mind, already in our collective conscience, a popular movie to make a point and maybe help it stick to you in a little different way. Uh, this year we're using holiday classics as our springboard, and man, there are so many good... What are your favorite Christmas movies? Real quick, on, on the comments, like, guys, as a church, we're not great at leaving comments. Leave some comments. Talk to each other. What are some of your favorite Christmas movies? And uh, maybe you lined it with the four that we picked. I think we picked some killer movies this year. And so as we go through the next four weeks, we're going to get into those. Uh, maybe we can give some honorable mention to the things that you mentioned there. Today's movie is one of my personal favorites. And it is a secret. I'm not going to tell you right now. You got to hold on. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. I know the suspense is killing you. Whatever. Um, but <laughs> here's a clue. It really lives in the world of what if? What if? That's a clue. I'll tell you in a minute what the movie is. Let me tell you the second reason why today's a special day. You've already heard it a couple times. Today is our Stand Sunday. Stand Sunday is an initiative of Orphan Sunday and the Christian Alliance for Orphans to stand up for kids and teens in the foster care system. And so what we want to do is to raise awareness of the need in our county and offer some ways that maybe we as a church family can do even better uh, in the coming year. Uh, we, we, think, we say kids matter all the time. Hashtag kids matter. It's one of our values as a church. Uh, and one thing that we really think a lot through is how we can aid the foster care community. You might remember back in October, we did a trunk or treat. That wasn't just to give out candy. We did it specifically focused on organizations and families involved in foster care so those kids could have something special. And uh, it's a big deal to us. It's a big deal in our church family. A lot of our families uh, in our family have got uh, a foster care background or, or they're involved in it right now or it's led to adoption or adoption in some way, even if it wasn't through the foster care system. And it's a big deal to God. And so that's why taking this week every year to discuss the need for loving children the way that God would love them is huge. And so today what I want to do is take some time to focus on the needs of our county, to let you know some, uh, where, where we stand as a general you know, population in our county and our community, and some ways that you can jump in and help. 
Foster Care asked the question, what if? What if you did? What if you didn't? So to get to all those places today, let's have a little bit of Christmas fun. Okay, let's talk about the movie. We have got a great movie today that we're using as our springboard, and here it is. It's a Wonderful Life. Do you like that movie? Have you seen it? Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's a great movie. Did you know that uh, although it's like a staple holiday classic, it's on TV uh, like every year, it was not produced as a Christmas movie? It wasn't intended to be a Christmas movie when it first came out. In fact, another thing about it, there's a lot of interesting facts about this movie. It was a box office flop. It just didn't hit. In fact, the producers of it, I think they lost $500,000 and thought that they would never get it back. They were wrong. They totally made it back. But it has since turned around. Okay, I got some, I think, some Oscar or Academy Award, I think, uh, nominations. And it has been a, a staple in the Christmas you know, movie list and the, uh, let's wait, what group is this? The American Film Institute ranks it as number 11 in their list of 100 all-time greatest movies. And so it's, it's got some staying power. It's a story that resonates, and it's a shift in the mind of what could happen. And it lives in the world asking the question, what if? Let me give you a synopsis of the movie. Maybe you've never seen it. Maybe it's been a minute. The story is basically about a guy named George Bailey, and he lives in a little place called Bedford Falls. And we watch the story, the life of George Bailey, as he comes up, we see his ups and his downs. But what we see is that time after time, his dreams have to take a back seat to the reality that's happening in his life. And he never seems to get the things that he wants and he wishes for. He wants to be a traveler and travel the world and go to college and become a successful engineer and big, big, huge buildings and big, huge cities and make a name for himself. Instead, his dreams come to a crashing halt when his father passes away. And he is left to stay home and take care of the family business, which is a small bank that gives out loans to poor and middle-class families to build small homes. Not what he dreamed of. His younger brother gets to grow up and see the world. He goes off to college. He becomes a big football star. He becomes a war hero. In fact, he runs an expedition in, in, in the war that saves like a, a whole bunch of lives. And he's a hero nationally. And man, his, his best friends, they grow up and they become successful. And they start big startup businesses. And they're coming home and they're hee-haw, making all kinds of money, if you know the movie. And like... But for him, man, he just stuck home. And it's like the same thing over and over. He does get married. He does have some kids. And there's some brightness in his life. But even in that, he's not satisfied. Because like his kids don't get to have the nice clothes that he wishes he could give them. They don't have the nice house that he wishes they could have. And the movie comes to a head when George's Uncle Billy loses an envelope with $8,000 in it. And it's money that belongs to the building and loan, which is their business. And it looks like maybe George has embezzled the money. Of course, he's completely innocent of it, but he's not willing to throw his uncle under the bus. And the bank examiner shows up and one thing leads to another and he ends up with a warrant out for his arrest. And so that's kind of what we find ourselves in that movie uh, when God sends a surprise, a Christmas miracle. His guardian angel, uh, Clarence, stops in and, man, shows him the way and shows him, like, the light and all these things. And so, without any further ado, I'd like to jump in. Just take a look at this clip from the movie when things start to shift. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. 
AS2. What, what, what's that? AS2. Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. you say just a minute ago? Why do you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, think, just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Uh, I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. One way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting it. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. Uh, <laughs> I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. And my... Look, little fellow, why you go off and haunt somebody else, will no, you? No, now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd never been born. So he's asking the question, what would the world be like without him? And it's a thought-provoking question. It gets to a pretty deep place. That movie gets pretty dark, to be honest with you. It turns back around, but the actor, Jimmy Stewart, as he shared his thoughts on filming this clip and another clip where he was praying to God, uh, if you've seen the movie, you know, you know the, the, the scene. But he said this. He said that as the words left his mouth, he began to feel the loneliness and the hopelessness of people who had nowhere to turn. He said his eyes began to fill with tears and he broke down sobbing. Then he says, and this is talking about the other scene, he said, it wasn't planned at all. But the realization that our Father in heaven is there to help the hopeless had reduced me to tears. Let's take a time out on the movie, okay? And, and let's use it as a springboard to get into God's word. Um, there are a lot of directions we could take a lesson from a movie like that. Uh, but I want to do it by asking two simple questions, kind of some derivatives of our first question, what if? Here are the two questions, okay? The first question is this, what if God did love us the way that he does? Uh, let me rephrase that. What if God didn't love us the way that he does? And secondly, what if you did love people the way that he asked us to? So what if? What if he didn't? And what if you did? Let's look at those two questions, starting out with the first one. What would the world look like if God didn't love us 
the way that he does love us. In case you've never heard it, let me just tell you this. God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you, he loves you unconditionally, and he loves you with a passion. And he's shown it in many, many different ways. If you don't know that, I want you to know it, and I want you to meet somebody who can tell you more about it. It's important, in case you've never heard it, heard it or you just need to be reminded. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. This is what the psalmist says about God. He says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Since the creation of the earth, God has gone to great lengths to show us his love for him. The Bible has been called a love letter from God. Okay, but the apostle John puts it like this. He says, God is love. Like love is the stuff that God is made of. The greatest expression of God's love to us is coming to the world through Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, and you know this, this is like a famous passage that's everywhere around the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's love for us. First John chapter 4, 9 through 10 says, this is how God showed his love to, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans chapter five, starting at verse six, says it this way. It says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It says, very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us. But what if he didn't do that? What if, what if, what if God didn't love us the way he did? What would the world look like? What would your life look like? Listen, I don't think it would be that hard to figure out. Left to our own devices, history teaches us that we will make a mess. History is a bulleted list of wars and dictatorships, genocide, orphans, homelessness, poverty. Yeah, there's good people in the world. They're all over the place. I believe we were all created in God's image. I believe, therefore, we are innately good but it's not just us in the picture if God wasn't here and he didn't love us the way that he does. We're told by God's word that, that our f battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. There are evil forces, demonic forces that want to bring us down and left to our own devices, we will decline into that because they'll put our hooks in us and try to drag us into it. So if God had not inserted himself into our world, the spiritual forces of the evil that the Bible talks about, they would be reigning, they would be ruling, and it would be a mess. And you know, maybe you feel this way. I know that I've had these moments. I've had these George Bailey moments where I sit down and it's not like I wish that I was never born necessarily, but it's like, you know what, maybe, maybe things would be better sometimes if God just didn't interfere all the time. Have you had that moment? And maybe he's like, no, I've never had that. Think about it. Do, do you do like I do sometimes and try to compartmentalize your life? Like this is my God part. And this is my me part. This is my me time, God. Like I'm going to do, because maybe deep down, there's like some sinful things that I just kind of, I'd like to do and get away with. You know what? With no guilt. Could I just get away with that? But if God removed himself from the picture and he just let us go into that place, there would be no life. 
There is no life outside of God's presence. He is the creator and the sustainer of it. If God was evil or mean or bad, sure. God would be great if you just didn't. But he's not. He's good. He loves us and he wants our best. I'm going to paraphrase a few scriptures for us. This is the kind of stuff the Bible says God wants for us. He says, for example, he wants to work things together for our good. That's what God wants for us. He wants to bless us with every good and perfect gift. He wants to deliver us from evil. He wants to forgive us of our sins and give us the gift of his presence in our life. He wants to give us abundant life. I love this psalm. It says that God wants to be close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. All the things I just said are straight from scripture and that's who God is. And when he inserts himself into our story, that's what he wants to bring to us. Which leads to the second question. Okay, God has shown us his love in so many ways. So we don't have to worry about what if God didn't love us. But what if we did love the way God wants us to love? What if we did? What difference would it make? I've read some passages from the Bible already that tell us about God's love for us. But it's interesting that so many of those passages that talk about God's love for us, which are all about, we love being loved, right? So many of those passages are immediately followed by an expectation that we do something. And you know what that expectation is? Check it out. This is 1 John 4, 10 through 12. We've already read, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Thank God. I love that. I love presents. It's Christmas time. Hope you get some good ones, right? But look what the very next verse says. Dear friends, since God loved us so, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. There's an expectation because of God's gift of love in our life. The expectation is that we would overflow it to the world. Jesus kind of streamlines it even more in John 13, 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By what? If you love one another. That's how we'll know that we're in God's way, you know, and we're, we're living the way that he wants us to. What if, what if we actually did that? What if we actually did that? What does it look like? Well, this means forgiving people who hurt us. It means serving people who need serving. It means putting people, other people above ourselves all the time, not just when it's convenient or popular, but all the time. Jesus actually says you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Even the people who voted for the guy that you don't like. Guess what? You should even love the guy that you don't like that you didn't vote for, whichever side of the pendulum you swing on. God wants us to love everybody in all circumstances without condition. Even if they have different beliefs or different habits or things that just drive you up a wall. It's supposed to be paid forward in love. We are all created in the image of God with purpose in this world, which by the way is to bring glory to God. That is your purpose. We're all his children. He loves us and guess what? Other people are children too. They're siblings of ours under God's fathership. What if we did love them? What would it look like? Well, it would look like a couple things. It would look like you making an effort to love that annoying neighbor or coworker that just rakes your nerves the wrong way. You don't know what's going on in their life that's led them to that place where they're so annoying and intolerable. Like, but you don't know what got them there, their upbringing, the things that they go through every day. But I believe that if you showed up 
to their house or to their desk at work over the holidays with a little gift, a little card, a little something just says, hey, I was thinking about you. I believe not only would it, it would change them, I believe it would change the dynamic of your relationship. It might take a while. You know this. It might take a while. But beginning to love people will begin to change them. What if you did that? And what if, what if one day, because of your example of God's love, you got to introduce that annoying friend to the love of Jesus and they became a full-fledged child of God? simply because you started taking these acts of kindness. That's what it would look like. Or it would look like you're going to stop fighting with your spouse before it starts. Like you're going to start, you're going to stop taking those low below the belt hits that you know make them feel small and make you feel big. Even though in the moment it feels right, you're going to stop. Because that's not how you're supposed to love your spouse or your kids or anybody else. And you know what? What if you did? And what if a year from now you're facing a happier marriage instead of the ominous divorce that might be over the horizon or the worst marriage that could be in the future. There's a lot of ways that this could look, okay? What if we did? But today I want to focus on one specific way in the time we've got left. Today is our Stand Sunday and we're focusing on loving uh, children in foster care, kids who need families, uh, taking care of families who are foster parents. What if that became our collective push as a church family to make that the, one of the ways that we answered the question, what if we began to love the way that God loves? Like, what if that's what we did? Did you know that right now in New Hanover County, according to the little research that I've been able to do, almost 600 kids are in our foster care system? 600. How big was the school that you graduated from or went to elementary school? I mean, that's a good percentage of that school, I would guess. If you're from a smaller town, that might be bigger than the school you went to. It's a lot of kids in the foster care system. Now listen to this. Can you guess how many registered and licensed foster care families there are in our county? About 100. That means that if every single foster care kid in the foster care system were to find a home, there would be six of them in every one of the foster care family homes. It's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. It's hard. This week is Stand Sunday, and I just want to bring to the forefront this really big need because it's important to God. It's important to us. What if we did just a little bit more as a church family, every single one of us? In our kids' moment this morning, you met Lily. Um, Most of you probably know Lily if you've been around Venture very long. She's awesome. Lily, hey, if you're watching right now, I think your family might be traveling right now home from from Thanksgiving. So wherever you are, I love you. I love you very much, Lily. And the things that you've taught just the people in this room. Hey, can we all say we love you, Lily? Say, I love you, Lily. You You hear that? A whole bunch of people here. And the things that you and your mom and dad have taught us about the love of God in the last couple years. Oh, man. It's just just broken my heart down to a new place. Uh, Many of you may also know Lily's mom and dad, Brent and Emily Myers. Uh, They they felt the call to become foster parents a little bit before uh, Lily was born. They had not met her yet. They didn't know that she was going to be in their life, but they were like, you know, this is where God is leading us. And so they went through the licensing process. Um, and, and because they had seen the inspiration of other people in our church family who were doing the same thing. And they saw that and they were like, we could do that. We could, we could take a kid in our house for a little while, give them some love. And they asked a the question. They were like, what if we did? What if we did? What would it look like? How would it change our family dynamic? And I think they got their first call for a foster care placement like, like one week after they signed the licensing papers. They were like, yeah, we'd like to do this one day. Hey, can you help right now? Like today? Yeah, like right now, like we're on our way. Yeah, and, and little did they know that a little girl was about to show up at their house and it was Lily. 
and she just showed up. And I won't share all the details here. Some of you know them, uh, but it wasn't simple. There, there was a lot going on there. Uh, she was in great need. There were some serious medical needs, some surgeries that were coming. Uh, there were some legal circumstances, to say the least. And uh, it was ominous. But despite all of the things that made it look inconvenient or uncertain or difficult, they got to meet a little girl who wasn't responsible for any of that. She was just here and she just needed some love. And their choice to open up their home to a little girl and their hearts led to so many opportunities for more love. The Myers family helped to teach our young church family that foster care takes a village. In fact, I'm wearing my shirt today. We are the village. Uh, This is a shirt that the Myers gave out to a bunch of people who have been involved in their life. And um, gosh, the rest of us have learned so much from the stand that they took about what we can do to take a stand and what it means to to become a foster parent. Uh, Because it doesn't always mean that you bring a kid into your house. For some of us, it has meant bringing meals to the Myers or sharing hand-me-down clothes or sharing advice or sharing finances or sitting in a hospital through an appointment or a surgery or taking late night phone calls or taking lots and lots of walks. I know a few of you ladies who have had a lot of walks with Emily or being a designated caregiver when they needed time for that or like a lot of you have done, adopting the Myers kids. They, they have two biological kids, Jacob and Peyton. We love you too. You're awesome. And the example you guys have set has been amazing. It's been stellar. But a lot of you guys have adopted them as, you know, uncles and aunts and grandparents. And you just take care of them and you're just there for them. Foster families need support. Lots of it. Because this is a strange dynamic and they've got to work this in, but it's important. One of my favorite moments like my favorite moments of my life, one of my favorite moments of my life was when a bunch of us got to drive up to a courthouse in another county. And ooh, we got to be there as the Myers signed adoption papers for Lily. And it was so funny because the judge that was there was like, who are all these people? <laughs> like, what are you? Oh, we're all here. We're here for Lily. We're, you're all here for Lily. Which one's the mom and dad? Like, we're like, <laughs> you know? Oh, it was such a blessing to be there and to show that little courtroom what love looked like. And, but what if, what if Brent and Emily had said no? Or what if the families that inspired the Myers to take the steps that they've taken, what if they had said no a long time ago and didn't inspire them in the first place? Or, or what if once they saw the complications of the situation, I mean, it wasn't cut and dry as some of them can be, more cut and dry. It was, it was complicated. What if they said, ah, we just can't, it's too much. It would have been okay, but what if they hadn't? Or what if each of the people in what Emily calls her village have not stepped up to help? and to shoulder the load, and that because it was just too heavy, they just couldn't move on. What if? Well, I know for one thing, there'd be another little girl stuck in an endless cycle of moving from home to home instead of the awesome little girl we got to meet on a video this morning. Jesus told a story once about a king who was speaking to a group of people in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. He says, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom I have prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? I don't remember that. And when were you in need of clothes and we clothed you? When did, you, when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Stand Sunday is a reminder that you can make a difference. And in doing so, for one of the least of these, in this case, a child, you're also serving and worshiping Jesus. I've learned so much through the Lily Myers family situation. I've learned so much about God's love. And, I, and that's not all. I've learned so much through the Sanders family and through the House family and through the North family and through the Pearl family. And I hope I haven't left anybody out. If I have, I'm sorry. I, I, I've learned from you, I promise. But that's just to name a few because these are families that are involved in our venture church community. And you guys are making a difference, not just in the kids' lives that you're making a difference, but in the hearts of people who are watching you, we see you. And church family, we need to do even more to take care of them, to make sure they got what they need and to go to this community. These 100 families that are in New Hanover County, and listen, if you're watching from home, you live in another county, there's people in your county too. The statistics are probably the same. Like, do you need help? Can I help you with something? Can I bring some meals? Can I go through a respite care class so that I can be an official respite caregiver to you? So that if you need to like, I don't know, go on a date night, <laughs> if you could drop them off and while you go to dinner, they could be somewhere safe. You know, last year doing Stand Sunday led to two families stepping up and going through foster care certification. And I know that at least one of them has already uh, done some respite care. It's incredible to see what happens when we see someone set an example and we decide to follow them where they've gone. Brent and Emily, you guys are inspirational to all of us and all the other families that I said just a second ago. But, but I, I, was, I was talking to Emily about this just the last week and um, I was kind of getting her permission to tell their story. And she was like, no, 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 it's not me. It's not me. I, this, is, this is all of us. And anytime you try to give them props for being extra loving and better at loving than maybe some of us are, they would immediately say, no, we didn't do this by ourselves. We could not have done this without the support we got from our village. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself, how could you maybe help shoulder, shoulder the load for a family that's dealing in this? And maybe the challenge for you is like, yeah, check into call DSS or call the Bear Foundation or call one of the organizations that can help you get certified and maybe move a kid into your house. But maybe what you can do is step in and just help someone who's already doing it, like intentionally. In the movie... It's a Wonderful Life, George's guardian angel, Clarence, does something crazy. George says, maybe it would have been better if I had never been born. And Clarence goes, hmm, how about we take a look at what that would look like? So he gives George a picture of what the world would be like if he had never been born. George sees that his brother, Harry, the war hero, the big football star, but he had saved a bunch of lives in the war, that Harry would have actually died as a young boy because George had actually saved his life once. But George wasn't there to save his life. So Harry wasn't there to save all those people in the war situation. He saw that the houses that he had helped build through this crummy little building and loan organization and the small houses to the small families with poor people and all this stuff, like 
Those people had never got to build those homes. And instead, the evil Mr. Potter had built this slum organization, uh, this slum-like uh, neighborhood. And they were forced to live there in poverty and squalor. And it was just, it was a mess because George hadn't been there to stand up. In fact, Mr. Potter had taken over the town and he turned it into a place of bad reputation and immorality because George hadn't been there to keep the whole community level-headed. He saw that his wife had never gotten married and she was unhappy. And he saw over and over and over these small little things he had done throughout his life had made a difference, but none of that had happened because he'd never been born. Now, it's a movie, guys. You know, it's a movie, like, this is science fiction, really. And it's like, but it's a really good picture to see what it looks like when one person makes a difference. And it's stories like these that can help us evaluate our own choices and our own decision and our own value and our own relationships with others in our own spiritual life. Jesus was one life, and he's made a difference. I can say from my own personal experience, and I can look at a room full of people that he's made a difference in the lives of, and Jesus wants you to know his love. And if you've never become a Christian, and you've never taken the time to have that conversation and say, like, I want to do this, I want to make it official, I want to encourage you. I know we're online and it's hard to connect, but please reach out to somebody, and let's have that conversation, and let's do that. Or maybe you're ready to give your life to Christ in Christian baptism. We can help you set that up. We can find the water. We can get somebody to do it for you. God loves you. We don't have to worry about what if he didn't, because he did. But it's important for us to ask, what if we loved others? the way that God wants us to. What does that look like? Well, for you today, it's Stand Sunday. So maybe it looks like you learning more about foster care. Maybe it's just taking some gifts to some DSS workers this holidays when things are really crazy for them. Maybe it's you becoming a respite caregiver. That's, that, that's an actual certification that you've got to get. And it, it's so that a, a child with a circumstance where you have to be like legally approved to care for them, you can have that taken care of. And you can be there, like I said, for a date night or even for longer extended periods of time. Some of these families are exhausted and they've got two, three, four, five kids in their house at a time sometimes. And it's insane. And they just need a minute. So maybe that's something that you could do. You got some free weekends? You can go get the training and then you could step in and do that. Or maybe you just want to be part of the village for somebody. And I know that I can volunteer Emily. She's actually told me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, her or, or, or Bethel or come to myself and we can help you connect with someone who just needs a little bit more village. And you can say, hey, would it be cool if I brought you a meal once a month or just uh, stopped in and took care of some stuff for you? Oh, they would love that. And make it possible for them to carry on with what they're doing. If you want to know more, I think someone should be posting in the comments here soon uh, about connections and ways you can get uh, involved. So click on those links if they do show up. If they don't, reach out to our Facebook page. We can make sure that you get that. There are so many ways that we can show the love of God to the people in this world. Okay, And so if foster care stuff doesn't click in your brain, listen, Jesus says love the least of these. Uh, one thing that I do a lot is I write letters to people in prison and it makes a difference in their life. They're lonely. And so if you want to know how you can do that, let me know. Or maybe you want to get involved in caring for homeless people. There's so many great ways you can do that in our city. Let, let us know. We would love to help you do that. Maybe just start with being nice to that neighbor who's a little extra grumpy. What if you did? What if? Let's pray.